Okay. Shall we start? Good evening. Uh, tonight's class was dedicated by Mrs. Miriam Fishman. This is in honor of her mother's yard site, Basia Rachel Bashmul Hersh, whose yard site was on the 22nd day of Tevis, just a couple of days ago. So may this be an aliyah for her mother's neshama, for her neshama of um, Basia Rachel Bashmul Hersh. May she channel lots of blessings and brachas to you and your mishpacha, for Rufus and Yeshuas, and only good things for everyone, good health, panasa barachava, and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of goodness. Another dedication today was by, was Lezecha Nishmas, uh, Moshe ben Max. May this be L'schus, his neshama, for a good, for, for um, a elevation of his soul, a very, very great elevation of his soul. Moshe ben Max Oliver Shalom. Okay. Um, so tonight we're going to do a little, uh, a, a, a small discourse. When you look at the mimer, it's very small. It's a little deceiving because because it's so small. Oops! Take a look at it and you say, "Oh, this is this is." Just a little cookie. <laughs> but then if you take a look what's going on over here, I'm trying to figure out this little cookie and it's not a little cookie. Um, I, I was gonna teach, I'll tell you the truth, I was gonna teach something else. A discourse also by the Alter Rebbe. Now, it's the Alter Rebbe's uh, yard site coming up on Friday, so it's exciting to learn something. And we haven't been learning Torah for a while because we learned most of the Maimarim, and then I got all excited about the Pad Maimer last week, and I mean the weeks before, and we learned that. And um, so I was going to teach a Maimer from the Alter Rebbe, like 30, 20 pages, and start this week and continue next week. But then I had a change of heart because that Maimer discusses the root of exile. And I've been talking so much in the last couple of weeks how we're coming out of exile already. So then I said, we should focus on the Giyula, not on the exile. And I said, okay, let's maybe reconsider. Then I remembered that in, in Parsha Shomois, I think there is a Maimer that we didn't learn yet. So I went to look at my book, where I put a dot by all the Maimarim that we recorded already. And I found that this little Maimer, we didn't learn yet. And I said, okay, that's a good thing, yes? Yeah, 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 I do that. This is a small little discourse that I haven't taught yet. So I said, okay, we'll do that. But I didn't know what I'm getting myself into because it's not, a, not an easy discourse. It's a very, very deep discourse. And, and, and I'm going to teach not from what I know, but from what I don't know. And I love when that happens. <laughs> I love when we try teaching from what we don't know because I'm confused a little here. I mean, to the listener, a lot is going to make sense, but my mind and I'm trying to put together certain things of why he's saying it it's very hard to figure that out maybe with Hashem's help as we're learning together it's going to come together what did get me excited and Mamish got me excited was I can't figure out what this mimer is doing in Parsha Shemois now I do have a connection yeah I'm sorry I shouldn't say I can't figure out why the it's doing a Sefer Shemois this mimer over here 
is really a continuation. This discourse that we're going to learn is a continuation or a a partner, a um, um, what do you call it? a complementary discourse to another mimer, another discourse in 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 parsha this week's parsha, this Torah portion. Zeshmi la'olam v'zezichri la'dovidor, which is a pasuk, which is a verse in this week's Torah portion, where it says, "This is my name forever, and this is my my remembrance for generation to generation." It's where God tells tells Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, "This is the way I am. This is my name, and this is my remembrance." Over there in that discourse, um, the Alter Rebbe, the author of this book is discussing the difference between positive commandments and prohibitive commandments. And how the prohibitive commandments connect us to God to a much higher level than the positive commandments. In other words, we can connect to Hashem by withholding from doing something that we ought not to do in a much deeper way than when we're doing something that we ought should do. And it's not, it goes against our natural feeling. We generally feel very spiritual when we're doing a good thing. We don't feel very spiritual when we're holding back from doing something negative. Quite in the contrary, we feel kind of low that we even have a desire to do something negative. And just because we didn't do it, we still feel like at least, okay, I'm not a loser, but I'm a semi-loser because I even just wanted to do that. So we don't feel like there's a great godly moment. But yet we learned, and this is what he discusses over there, that the, the refraining from doing something uh, against God's will, even though it doesn't give a person that sensation, but in truth of truth, at that moment, one's connection to God is to levels of the divine that one can never connect with through a positive, through a positive identifying, through a, an act where you have a specific connection in which you're connecting yourself through something specific that's holy. Because that kind of a connection, when you're doing something specific, when you are doing something specific, it's connecting you to a level of the divine that is specific. But when you are doing something you're not doing, and basically what you're doing is you're just negating a desire, so you're negating yourself, you're connecting to that which is undefinable and un, uncontainable in a container. And your soul attaches yourself to that level just by making space for it. And you make space through the no, not through the yet. That's, that's the idea that is discussed in that discourse. And then he goes on to explain over there, I'm just, gonna, I'm just showing, I'm not, we're not learning that discourse tonight. And then he goes on to explain over there that the rabbinic ordinances that there is in the Torah, where the rabbis came and the rabbis give us all the sub-details to all the mitzvahs. Okay, there's the commandments, and then the rabbis come on and give us a heap of things that are just rabbinic. And it's, all, it's very consuming, and sometimes overwhelming, where one realizes that, come on, the rabbis were a little bit over, overreacting. They were, because you have like, don't do this because you might bring you to this, or don't do this because it might bring you to that. Don't ride on, a, on an animal on Shabbos, no problem. In the Torah, there's no problem with riding on an animal on Shabbos. What's the problem with riding on an animal on Shabbos? Because you might pull off a branch, tear off a branch, because you'll want to use it as a stick to, to, to guide the animal. Come on, that's so far-fetched. 
You know, it's Shabbos. Or you're not allowed to swim on Shabbos because afraid that you're going to go make yourself a raft so that you can cut a, cut a piece of wood so that you can be able to, and that you'll be cutting wood, then that's a problem. So that's so unlikely that that's going to happen. If I go swimming, that's what's going to happen. So it seems like the, 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 the sages were a little paranoid. It's a paranoia. So he explains, because the sages are connected to the infinite, 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 even higher than what is conveyed through us through the, through the written Torah. The written Torah is capturing godliness, divine light, that is able to come into containers. It's able to come into vessels, and those vessels are the words. Those vessels are those words. So they're holy words. That's why it's called Torah Shabiksav, which means the written Torah. But in Hebrew, Torah means it's the Torah. Bksav means it's in the writing. The holiness comes down and it actually enters into the words. What kind of words? Not spoken words, not spiritual deep abstract thoughts. Physical ink on an, on a parchment contains that godly light. That's awesome. But on the other hand, the very fact that something of the divine can be contained in a vessel is showing that it's a level that is not in, not that it's not of the infinite, not that high, because it can be captured in something physical. It means that the Torah has gone into the writing, but in the oral law, in the Mishnah. In the Talmud, there is no holiness in the words. The holiness is in the concepts. If you take the Mishnah and you write it on... Now, holy, of course we treat it with holiness. If you have a book of Talmud, God forbid to, to mistreat that, to throw it in the garbage or to throw it... We, we treat it with holiness. But yet, even if you write it on a scroll, it's not considered a entity of, of, of like tefillin, it doesn't have that level of holiness. It has the idea that we know it's Torah, but it doesn't have that kedusha, that holiness in it, that sanctity. And that is because they're tapping into energies that are so high that can't come down into letters, into words. Not only that, these, the, these energies can't even go into the mouth. That's why it says Torah Sheba'alpeh. The Torah that's on top of the mouth. It's not even in the mouth, it's above your mouth. That means when you're saying these words, there is a powerful godliness that's enveloping you, but it's bigger, higher than your consciousness, higher than what you're aware of. It's a transcendental light. The sages, and that's the thing, and that's why most of the, most of the ordinances of the rabbis are not commanding us to do things, most of the time it's all about telling us what we can't do. Again, it's requiring a no from us, not a yeah. And the no, as we went, going back to what we said in the positive commandments and in the prohibitive commandments, that when you're doing a no, you're basically saying, I don't know you, God, I can't understand you, I'm just humbly submitting and I'm allowing, you, I'm allowing you to be as you are. That's what the no is. The no is, or, or the example that he tries to, that he's using over here, that he used in that discourse, is the difference of a person saying, you know, 
if you have someone who's brilliant, 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 so if you have great, great, great thinkers, philosophers, brilliant, uh, you know, scientists or whatever, are talking about this person, they can talk about some of his ideas, some of his things, and they can positively identify it. But when you have simple people, people that are very, very, very average-minded, didn't, didn't, don't have a higher education, never learned, never studied, I'm not that sophisticated in understanding, they can't po- positively identify this great Albert Einstein. Because there's nothing in which they can say that can describe and capture the brilliance of this person. What they basically can, the only connection they can have is they can sense this guy, he's not an Einstein. This guy, he's smart, but he's not an Einstein. Because they can know that, that, that he's not that. So their connection to someone, because, because the distance between them and him in terms of mind is so vast that you can't positively identify, but you can have a relationship with him by knowing what he's not. He's not this or he's not that. I can't say what it is, but I know it's not that. That's also a relationship. So in the similar manner, our connection to the true transcendental levels of the divine doesn't come through a yeah, but comes through a no. In two things. First of all, the prohibitive commandments. Following? The prohibitive commandments are higher than the positive commandments. Because in a positive commandments, we're making a container of a, out of ourselves and out of the things we do a mitzvah with. We're making them a container for godly light. And since we're preparing a vessel, that's indicating that the godliness is vesselable. Okay, you can put it into a vessel. That's why we're making vessels. But then, but the prohibitive commandment, you're not making a vessel. You just know that I am, how am I preparing for this great godly light? I want to do something and I am not doing it. Because this activity is contradicting God. I don't know what God is, but I know that He is not this. And He doesn't express Himself in this. This should not be there in front of, in my life, because it will block God. That's all I know. I can't say what He is, but I can say that this is something that is ugly and He doesn't like. So this is not. Now I'm saying it, the Torah tells us, what is a no that we need to remove so we can allow the divinity, the godly light to come down on its own? That's in prohibitive commandments. And also, and even deeper, when the rabbis kick in, and they came along and brought us mitzvot, think about it, being observant in Judaism, today's days, is not just today's days, I mean for the last thousands of years, is mainly rabbinic. Because if we would take away what the rabbis have, we wouldn't recognize Judaism. If you take away all that the rabbis have added, to observance, you literally would not recognize Judaism. You will even, even, you'll be able to eat, let me give an example. You'd be able to eat a chicken, a, chi- a chicken cheeseburger. That would be permitted. Uh, the laws of family purity would be diminished like uh, a tenth of what the prohibitions that there are because of that. The laws of Shabbat, of Shabbos observance would also be like hardly, so many things are permitted. There would be no mukta. The whole idea of mukta, no mukta. The idea of not telling a non-Jew to do anything for us, we can, have, we can tell everything to the non-Jew. 
And then so many things that we don't. So you, you go through step, go through mitzvah after mitzvah and remove the rabbinic um, restrictions, you, you're, you're hardly left with any Yiddishkeit, with any Judaism. So the rabbis added so much, but in most of what they added was in, 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 in restraining and what not to do. Because the rabbis are connecting us to levels of the divine, which is much higher than what, the, than what is in the Torah Shabbat which means in the written Torah. They're connecting us. Okay. Now this idea, okay, this is all an introduction to why we're learning this discourse. Okay, you're following me. Now, um, that, oh wait, that concept is related to this week's parsha, this week's Torah portion, where it says, Zeshmi Olam, this is my name forever. Zezichri, and this is my remembrance, Lador Vidor, for generation to generation. This is my name and this is my remembrance. Okay? God says to Moshe, so the, he, he brings a Zohar, a teaching from the Zohar, from, where the Zohar says, Shmi, the word Shmi, together with a Yud and a He, Shmi means God's name. Together with the first two letters of God's name, Yud and He, in, in, in God's name there are four, four letters. The Tetragrammaton has four letters. Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke. So the first two letters equals 15. Because we know that every name in Hebrew, every letter has a has an numeric value. So Yud is ten, He is five. So Yud and He together is fifteen. Fifteen plus the word Shmi. Shmi is three hundred and fifty, because the word Shmi is a Shin, Mem, and a Yud. Shin is three hundred, Mem, and a Yud is another fifty. So fifty and fifteen. I'm sorry, three fifty and fifteen is three sixty-five. So 365, how many prohibitive commandments are there in the Torah? 365 prohibitive commandments. How many positive commandments do we have in the Torah? 248. Uh, the 248 mitzvahs, the Zohar says, is, is related to the word zichri. God says this week in the parsha, Zeshemi, this is my name. zichri, and this is my remembrance. Now let's understand something. What's the difference between God's name and His remembrance? Name means what His true name is. Remembrance is how we are allowed to mention it. So which one is higher, name or remembrance? Name is my true, like kids. Kids are not, are not allowed to call their father by their name. How then? So you say dad, Abba, right? You're calling your father. So God says like this, I have a name, but you can't call me by my name. Zezichri, my remembrance, meaning the way, you can, the way you can call me. So the remembrance must be much lower than his name. Okay? So Shmi is higher, my name, and Zichri is lower, the way you should re- recall my name, the way you should call me. Now Zichri, the word Zichri, also has a gematria. The gematria of the word Zichri, gematria is a numeric value. The gematria of the word Zichri is... Reish, which is 200. Chaf and Yud is another 30. 330. Um, zikhri, uh, 337. I'm sorry, 237. 237 is the gematria of the word Zichri. Now, the Zohar says, 
add to the word zichri the vav and the hey of Hashem's name. Remember, we took away the two letters, the first two letters, and we added it to Shemi. Now you have the other two letters and you add it to the word zichri. So 237 plus 11 is 248. So the Zohar tells you, because the vav and the hey, the vav and the hey of God's name is 11, equals 11. Because you have, remember, there's 15 yud k vav k. So the 15, the yud and the hey is 15. We add that already to Shmi, to Hashem's name. Then we take the word zichri, which is 237, and we add 11, and we get 248. So what do you see from here? Two things you see from here. An amazing thing. That God's name is connected to the yud k. God's remembrance is connected to the Vav and the hey, the two latter layer, letters. And we know that in God's name, the earlier letters are much higher. The latter layer letters, when you spell God's name, don't, I mean, we, we, we write it this way, we write it from right to left. But really God's letters are written going down. The Yud is the top, then the hey, and the Vav and the hey. So the Vav hey, the latter two letters, are much lower than the, than, the, than, the, than, the, than the earlier letters. The pre, the, the, right? So the prior letters, the Yudke, match up with the word Shemi. Together they give us what number? 365. Which tells you that if you want to connect to God's essential name and to the first two letters of God's name, you can only do that when, when you're observing a prohibitive commandment. When you're not doing that which is against God's will. You can't do anything positive that will bring you to that connection. Not to say you can't do a lot of positive things. You can do a lot of positive things. But they're not connecting you so high. Then, zichri, the lower level, is called zichri, which is the lower, the lower level. And um, together with, which is only my remembrance, together with the vav and the hey, which is 11, gives you 248. Telling you that the positive commandments, which is the number of positive commandments we have, only connect us to a lower level of the divine, that which already comes into vessels and that which already comes into containers. Okay? Now, in the course of that discussion, which is of this week's parsha, he describes, as I mentioned earlier, that the prohibitions of the scribes, that, see, till now we're analyzing what? Positive commandments, prohibitive commandments, but it's all part of the written Torah. Now we're going to the next level, and that is the rabbinic ordinances. The rabbinic ordinances are even higher than that. Even higher than the prohibitive commandments. That means that they're higher even than the Yud and the, and the K, the first two letters of God's name. They're even higher, because we said before, the Yud and the He are the prohibitive commandments. 15 plus Shmi equals Yud. Now we're saying the rabbinic commandments are even higher. Where do we have the idea, first of all, that the rabbinic commandments are higher? So here's an interesting, fascinating teaching taught in Sefer Yetzirah, which is the book of formation, written by, according to many opinions, by Avram Avinu. Okay? So in that, in, over there it says like this, that God created the world 
with three things. Bishloisha Dvarim with three things. Barak, Bara HaKadosh Baruch, I think that's the Lashon Esa Olam. Three things God created the world. Besofer with a scribe. Besefer with a book. Besipur with a story. So when God created the world, it was with a scribe, a book, and a story. And the order it is, let's take a look how it is. There is a scribe, that's a person. And that's the person who innovates the book. A person has an idea, and they author a book. Once the book, the book tells a story. And others can come and read the story off the book that was emanated from the mind of the author. So the, the Kabbalists explain, these are three levels. Sofer is the scribe, represents Keter, the crown. That's the infinite light of God, that's the scribe. Sefer, the book, that is Chachma. Or sometimes Bina. It's called, you know, in the ten, in the ten, in the ten uh, attributes. And then finally, Bisipur, the story, that's Malchus, that's the story of creation. Malchus is the last and final attribute. That's where God, like, kind of already tells the story. He's reading. And we know when God created the world, what did He do? He looked in the book, He looked in the Torah, which is the Sefer, and He created the world. God basically is reading the story off out of the book, and that's creation. So creation is being, is the blueprint, which is the Torah, which is the Sefer. Okay? If the Torah is the Sefer, the book, who is the Sefer? Who is the author of the book? You say, it's God. Yeah. But do we have any connection to that? It's interesting that the sages refer to the rabbis as the teachings of the rabbis, as the words of the scribes. The rabbis are called... The rabbis are called the words of the scribes. Divrei Sofrim. Since the rabbis are called Divrei Sofrim, the words of the scribe, and, this, and the sages say an interesting statement in the Midrash, it is sweeter to me, the words of the scribe, it is more pleasant to me, the words of the scribe, more than the wine of the Torah. It is more pleasant to me, the words of the scribe. What is that? So the scribes, that's the sages. So what does that teach you? That the sages were able to, pl- to plug into the mind of the author who authored the book. And sometimes when an author authors a book, they're not able to get everything into the book. Get it? Sometimes you write a book and, you're like, and you know that the author had so much more depth but the book can't facilitate it. But the author has it. So the Torah can only facilitate whatever it can facilitate. But the rabbis, they interviewed the author itself prior to the book. They're connected, their souls are connected in the level called author of the book. And that over there is a place where, as we said earlier, you can't capture that light in containers. That's why the rabbis keep on telling us, don't do that. How do they know? God doesn't like it. You're just a rabbi. How can you tell me what? <laughs> Come on, relax. You might do this. When the rabbis are telling you, you might do this and you might do this, I'm sorry if I say it's true, but that, that's like 
I'm sorry, external excuses for something much deeper. It's not true. Of course it's true. The rabbis were worried that you're going to do this, but there's something really much deeper. They sense deep, 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 deep in the... They had a conversation with the author. They know in that which cannot be described in words, and it can't be explained, that's why I couldn't even come into the Torah, what are things that God essentially dislikes, and what He does like, and what He dislikes? Even though He didn't tell you that a, chick, that a cheese chicken burger is pro- prohibited, because He only told you the meat burger, the beef burger, with the beef the milk and meat is prohibited. He never told you that ch- that bird, that that uh, what is it, uh, p- poultry and and milk is. They sense the author's the author's intention that that too is prohibited, even though it wasn't it didn't it wasn't conveyed. Obviously, when we when we're let's understand something, when we are encountering the mitzvot in a very physical form. Okay, it's, it, it's just a chicken with a little cheese on it, so and a little butter, so I cooked it with a little butter. Obviously, chicken is not chicken and butter is not butter. These are massive... Yeah, chicken is chicken, but chicken in its origins, whatever it represents, energies of gavur, whatever. A chicken is called gever, so it's gavura. Um, whatever, whatever the milk represents, whatever the butter represents. So even though it might look like a small thing, but, but here's the thing, things that could not be conveyed in Torah... Is, are, the rabbis were able to sense that because they're plugged in to the scribe, to the author who authored the book, and they can tell you things that don't stay in the book because they know the author intimately. That's the idea. They know the author. They know God intimately in a way that was not expressible in the Torah. Now, once we have that idea, that's very important that the, because this is all an introduction to even where we want to start today. Once we're connecting the rabbis to what's called sofer, the scribe of the thing, we said earlier that they're connecting even higher than the prohibitive commandments. Now the prohibitive commandments come from the yud and the hey of God's name. We said earlier, the prohibitive commandments, the first two letters. The rabbis are rooted even in a place deeper than where the prohibitive commandments are. So where are they rooted in? They're rooted, they're rooted in a letter that's even higher than the Yud and higher than the He. What letter is rooted in higher than the Yud or higher than the He? The letter Aleph. The letter Aleph is the source of the Yud. What do we mean by that? We know that Chachma, Yud, the letter Yud is only a point. So it represents the first flash, an epiphany, a flash, like a, like a point, like when you're, you're wondering about something and suddenly, boom, you have this like, so something lights up in your head. It's a yud, that's a flash. Then the hey, the letter hey, is taking that point and you begin to analyze it and you begin to develop it and evolve it and it evolves and you find all the all the ramifications and all the consequences and all the details. That's, like, that's what, what's a hay. A hay is taking the point and drawing two lines, a horizontal line, a vertical line, and a horizontal line that you're verting from the hay, which means it's, it's opening up that point. So that's the left side of the brain. That's the bina. 
That's the Bina process. Chachm is the first flash. What is the Aleph? It says in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Pasuk, it says, A'alefcha Chachma. It's a, it's a verse in Proverbs, I think. It says, A'alefcha Chachma, which translated in English means, I will teach you Chachma. A'alefcha Chachma, I will teach you wisdom. That means this is the pre-flash. So what is the Aleph? The Aleph is the supermind that you're not conscious of from where all ideas emanate from. The, 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 the super pre... See, the cre, it's where all creativity comes from. But you don't know that place. Like you know here. What's here you don't know. That's the Aleph. The Aleph, that's why if you take the word Aleph and you change the letters, you get the word Pele. Pele means a wonder. It means something that you don't understand, but you just wonder about. It's like that... Like, where did that come from? I don't even know where that come from. I just, I just had that flash. But from where? You don't know from where. That's that pella. That is that wonder. So, and, but it's the source from where the, the epiphany comes from. So the yud is already in a, a revealed idea. It's already a point. The hay is an expansion of the idea. The aleph is the unknowable source from where this comes from. That word, now, if you take an aleph and you attach a yud and a hey to it, you get the word aye sofer. Aye. Aye. That's the word. Aye is aleph yud hey. Now, where are we? Is anybody familiar with the word aye? Well, we say it in, Shmo, in, in Shabbos. We say the angels say, Aye Mekom Kavoda. Where is Aye? Where is his holy, his holy, holy place? The angels are perplexed. The angels are mystified. Aye, where is he? Because, going back, even the let's understand something. Even the even the hay, even the latter hay, which is already godly light, already being already expanded, detailed. It's still high to come, it's still too deep to come into vessels and containers. We can only contain the light only after it goes into the vav and into the hay. The latter two letters. That's when it's channeled down and it comes into real containers and real vessels. Only from the vav and the hay, and that's where the angels, celestial beings, are able to absorb and receive light and enlightenment and knowledge and understanding in God. It's only in the vav. The hay. They don't understand. It's above them. The Yud is way above them because the Yud is still a concentrated flash of godly light that is still so potent and powerful it hasn't yet even opened up. It's just a powerful idea where all the cosmos and everything is wrapped up in one point. No creation can connect to something on that level. No being can know. So they can't even know the hay. For sure not the Yud, let alone the Aleph, which is the source from where the Yud comes from, that's above, 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 above. Do you realize the angels say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. They say three times, holy, holy, holy. Why three times holy, holy? Because the hey, holy means, I don't get it. Holy means removed. Holy means inconceivable, uncontainable. 
When something is holy means it's removed from you, bigger than you. So the word, when they say three times, holy, 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 three times, because already the hay is holy, the yud is even holier, and even higher than that is the aleph. And here is the amazing thing. There is a verse in Yeshaya, Isaiah, which we're going to quote in a minute, which we're going to read, where it says, Aye sofer. Simply it means, where is the scribe? Aye sofer, where is the scribe? Aye shokel, where is the one who measures? I'll, I'll tell you soon the context of the verse. But it just says those words, Aye sofer. Based on the introduction that we just gave you, what we just had given, spoken about in the last in the last uh, 40 minutes. What this verse is telling you, what is this verse telling you? That the rabbis that are called Sofer, who are plugging into the author of the book, they're connecting not to the hay, not to the Yud, yes, even deeper than that, even to the Aleph. And that's why Aye Sofer, the Sofer, the scribes, their, their souls are plugged in to the Aleph as well. They know the Aleph. Which means that which the angels say, Kadosh, 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 three times Kadosh. Me and you are constantly encountering that level. We're connecting to the Aleph, you know when? When we listen to what the rabbis tell us that we're not allowed to do, and we refrain from doing it, and not say, Oh, so the, it's just rabbinic, it doesn't say in the Torah. It doesn't have a source. The rabbis just came up. Okay. Then you're missing out on the Aleph. And this is such a help for people that have a hard time with the Chumras that Chazal have made. Because sometimes if, when you start becoming too smart, it's a problem. Because you start looking, you start differentiating. This is biblical. This I keep. This is kind of, you know, the rabbis. Are, I, the, the, and the reason they give is kind of poor. So I don't have to keep that. It's not... That comes from a lack of understanding of what's going on. Aye, so fair. That the scribes, the little laws of muktzah and Shabbos, what you could move, what you can't move, yes, these are delicate laws that are, that, that are connected not to the hay, not to the yud, but to the pre-pre-pre-cosmic idea, to the aleph that's before the whole. That, that's where it's rooted from. And that's where the rabbis are connected to. Aye, so fair. Being that this is related to this idea that we spoke about in the parsha, that's in this parsha. Based on that, there is another mimer that's discussed in this week's parsha. Because you wonder, what in the world is this discourse doing here? What does that do with parsha Shemos? It's on that pasuk. It's on the verse in Isaiah and Yeshaya where it says, "Lipcha yehege emel aye soifer va'aye shokel." This is all explaining, <laughs> whatever we discussed in the last 40 minutes, is just to explain the heading of the mimer, the Dibra Maschal and the mimer. What's this mimer doing here in Parsha Shemos? Lipcha, your heart, Yehege Eima, will speak dread. This is the verse. The verse says, your heart will speak dread. And you will wonder, Aye Soifer, where is the scribe? Aye Shokel, where is the... The, um, 
the uh, shokel, where is the one who weighs things? He's going to explain the word aye sofer, that the sofer is connected to the aye. What I do, however, want to do, is I do want to read to you the, the, the pasuk, so you'll know what the verse is talking about in the simple meaning. And I'm not going to be explicit today for, for whatever, but if you listen close to what I'm saying that Rashi says, you're going to know very deeply why we're learning this Rashi tonight. Why we're learning this Maimah tonight. I had no clue when I started. But this sent me for such a spin that I couldn't believe it. Okay, but you can figure it out on your own. If you figure it out, that's good. If you want to come to me after the class, then I'll give you the, 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 the spin on that. Okay, here we go. I'm just reading you the Pasuk. Lipcha your heart, because I almost fainted when I read it. Lipcha your heart, Yehege Ema. Your heart will speak dread. From what? Meaning you're going to be so shocked to see something. What are you going to see? Aye Sofer, where is the scribe? Aye Shokel, where is the one who was weighing and scaling things? Aye Sofer Esamigdalim, where is the one who was counting the high towers? What does Rashi say? So Rashi tells us the meaning. Kishetira, let me read the, I'm just quoting. Kishetira, when you're going to see Hasarim the ministers, Vahachachamim and the wise men shall akum of the nations of the world. Shahoyoshlitin Bechayeyem, that were big rulers once upon a time, they were very big rulers. but now they're being judged in, in purgatory. When you're going to see basically that these powerful leaders and powerful rulers that were such big machers and such big knockers and everybody went to discuss all matters of the world with them. When you're going to see that what? You're going to get scared. The time you're going to say, Where is their great wisdom? Where is their great power? Shall Elu from these? This guy, he was such a leader in his life. The shaykel, he, he, he weighed kol dvar chachma. He had an opinion on everything. They would convene on him of how to run the government and how to run things. Where is the one who counts the high towers? What does he mean counts the high towers? They used to tax. The higher the building used to pay more tax. They had the policy of taxing the rich. It was, it was back then. He counted the, the high towers. I should be ear the ear in every city. The higher the house was, they would give more tax. And that dread of this ruler who was in charge of all of this. You won't have any more that dread and that fear. It will be gone. Why? Because the Pasuk says before that, the king in its glory means Mashiach is going to be here. And the king in its glory you're going to see. And these other governing powers that were so strong and so powerful, it's all going to be a dream and you're going to wonder like, all that power, where did it go? Where did it go? It's a Pasuk in Yeshaya. Perek Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Yudches. The pasuk before that is Melech Enecha. Your eye will see the King in all its glory, referring to Mashiach. And um, and Terenam Eretz Marchakim, and then Lipcha Yehega Ema. Then you're going to wonder when you're going to see the the complete 
powerlessness of these other powers, and you're going to wonder, Aye Soifer, where are these scribes? Where are they? That's the simple meaning. Now, obviously, the Hasidus that we learn on this, the Hasidus that we learn on this, is going to need a lot of interpretation of how this connects to the simple meaning of it. I have no clue. Because the Hasidus is going to explain deep mystical ideas of what Aye means. As we said before, that the level of Aye is showing on, in, is indicating on very high levels of the divine something that the scribes are connected to. Okay? Let's learn inside. Let's learn the Maimer. See if we can make some heads and tails out of it. I, 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 again, I, I feel very, very incompetent to, to, to explain this Maimer. As I mentioned earlier, it's a short little discourse, but it's, it's infinite. Your heart will... So again, but what's the connection? That's what I'm just, I want to just say, the connection to Shemos is because in the Shemos Maimer earlier, he dis- and the Dalt Rebbe said these two discourses, by the way, in one Shabbos. He said it in one meal. It was one meal, it was said, however, as, as two discourses. It was, on that Shabbos Parshas Bo, it was Shabbos Parshas Bo, it wasn't even Parshas Shemois. The Alter Rebbe said four discourses on that Shabbos. Four discourses. Two of them by the Friday night meal, and two of them by the Shabbos day meal. And the two that he said by the Friday night meal made it, made it into to Torah Or, in this week's Parsha. One of them we learned a few years ago, and I gave you a summary of that just before where he speaks about the difference between the positive commandments and the prohibitive commandments, and the quality of the rabbinic ordinances that reach up to the level of sofer. But over here he continues to explain this idea of the scribes, the, the words of the scribes, which are the rabbis, that they are, they're tapping into the word aye, aye sofer. Let's see. Lipcho yehege your heart will bring you dread. Aye sofer, where is the scribe? Aye shoikel, where is the... One who weighs. Isa Zohar. So he quotes a passage from the Zohar. Now in the Zohar itself, just to tell you what kind of secrets this is, if you look in Zohar, I wanted to look it up. So I took out a Zohar. Problem is, I have a Zohar that has, over here, it has Lashon HaKodesh. The Zohar is written in very difficult Aramaic. It's hard just simply to read. Forget about the deep secrets that are there. It's just written in a language that's hard to make heads and tails of it. It's written in a, in, not just in Aramaic, but in a difficult Aramaic. It's not exactly Talmudic Aramaic. It's, it's, it's far more complex. So I, thank God I have, they printed the Zohar, which has, which has on the side of it, you have it in Hebrew. So not in English, but in Hebrew. So if you're reading and you're getting stuck, it's much easier to read on the side. If you, if you read Hebrew, then you, you can kind of get through it. Then you still have to wonder and perplex what, what the meaning is. But at least you can understand word for word and translate it. Fine. This passage of Zohar is considered such secrets that it was forbidden. The Ben Ishchai said that this passage of Zohar should not be translated. Not in any languages because it's just, you know, if, if you can't figure it out from the Aramaic, then you should, probably shouldn't be reading it. That's kind of, that's kind of what the Ben Ishchai said about it. It's called Sifra Ditzniyasa. So it's in the end of Zohar, it's the, it's the book for the modest. So 
he's quoting from this part of the Zohar. An idea. But we know that right before Mashiach comes, we're supposed to read all the secrets. No secrets be kept back. Everything needs to be studied. So we're, we're going to read some of this. Anyways, it says in the Zohar, Isa Bezayar, Sifra Ditzniyasa, the book of the modest. So it begins over there talking about something called Takil Bemiskala, something that is measured with a measuring, with, with the measure, or weighed with a miskala, is either a scale or a, a something that you do measure, it's a, like a ruler or a, um, a measuring device. So it says over there, that before, I'll just read you a little bit of a line over here. Sifra de shakal, okay, bemaskala with a measuring. Tana we learned that there is this sublime level called the, the measurer. So it says over there, the adloi have a maskala. Before God emanated this maskala, whatever this measuring thing, loy have a mashgichen ampin ba'ampin. There wasn't any unifications amongst the sefirot, the attributes, did not have any unions face to face. Anybody familiar with a little bit Kabbalistic um, teachings know that the Arizal, the Kabbalists, are always talking about various different Yehudim. Yehudim means unions that are taking place between the various different attributes as one is passing energy and life to the next attribute. And as these energy and, and as these sefirot are coming together, they compare it to a union, a marriage, an intimacy. And that's so in, in the Kabbalists speak about that sometimes there is a more distant, disconnected union. In other words, where there is one sphere attribute or one angel or one being or whatever you want to this 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 idea runs through the entire system of 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 of, of the whole order of godly of what's called Seder Rishtalshalos, the whole evolving order of divine, of levels of divinity, which are all, the way God's energy comes to the world is through a series of a gazillion descends on levels and levels. Each one passes energy to the next level. When they pass on this power and this force, one rises to receive, the other one is descending to give. It's called a union of like a husband and a wife, where he's giving to her. But it says that it's only, uh, so there is, there is what's called back-to-back, when the two attributes are standing back-to-back. So there's a lacking of an intimacy. It must be that there is some kind of influencing passing being passed on, because they're connected. But they're connecting back-to-back means that it's a very, it's not deep. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not intimate. It's not deep. Face-to-face means that they're really locking on to each other in a very deep way, and one is passing on to the other from a very, very, very innermost connection. Okay? So the Zohar says that the possibility, the possibility to, um, for this thing to be possible, for what? Thank you. For it to be possible, for there to be yuchudim, unifications between the spheres, in a manner of face-to-face, it requires this supernal entity called the measurer. There needs to be a measurer. Without the, the one who measures out, then that would not be possible. What then happened? 
Umalkin Kadman Misu, also what happens if there's no measure, first of all, it doesn't allow for the attributes to bond with each other. So even though there are attributes that can come forth, various different powers of God, but they're not cohesive with each other. Because there's lacking order. There's just powerful, powerful forces, but they clash with each other, or they set themselves up one removed from the other, and they, they, don't, they, don't, work, they don't work in unison. They don't work together, number one. Number two, is powerful energies sometimes emitted where because there, is no, because there is no measuring force, because there is no filter, as we're going to see, there's no power to restrain and that meters or meets out to each level exactly what they're going to get. What happens is it causes the, sometimes there should be over, overload overload of power in a certain in a certain container whatever and it causes a fuse to bust it causes a blowing of a fuse which means it's the concept of the idea that we discussed so many times the shattering of the vessels primordial collapse kabbalah talks about that in the process of creation there has been some kind of a collapse that caused divine energies to go to go become misguided, so to speak, and become disconnected. And that's what results in a world that needs a lot of fixing. The reason why the world needs a lot of fixing, Baruch Hashem, we're at the end of the work already, not at the beginning. We fixed already everything. But the reason the world needed a lot of fixing is because something collapsed. The reason why things collapsed is because the measurer was not in charge. Things were being done without the measurer being measuring things out. Once, however, Hashem put the miskala, the measurer, in charge, everything then flows perfectly. Because what does the measurer do? He measures out exactly how one, how one attribute should pass and transmit energy to the next level. And it's done in a perfect way where you're giving, where each one is transmitting to the next level exactly what the next level can handle and what they can need, not more and not less. And it controls if the recipient, for whatever reason, is in a state. Because the recipient is not always in the same state. Sometimes the recipient is in a more open state. In a state where they're ready to receive more light. Guess what? It allows for the transmitter to transmit more energy. And that's the idea of, like we said before, face to face. Is when you're ready. Not always ready. Like we see in our own lives. There are times when our spiritually we're clamped shut. And we're not, we're, not, we're not vessels for any light entering our soul. It can be because of various different reasons. It could be the things, things we sometimes do things irresponsibly or sometimes a sin that can cause a clamping shut of a person's abilities. It can be many things. It can be all kinds of stuff. that sometimes, Or it just be that we're going through dark times. Sometimes not, not in our control. That God puts us through tests. But whatever it is, we're, we're constricted. And then there are times that we're open. Our vessel opens up. And then we can, or we did something very special, and we merited that we should expand. And when we expand, more light can enter into our soul. But everything is controlled by this measuring being, whatever that is. And he's going to identify what that power is. That measures out exactly what, where, and when. And keeps all of creation and all of existence organized in a perfect 
in a perfect manner. That's called the miskala. So he says, So then the, 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 the primordial kings died. That means these, these attributes collapsed. I don't know the word, see that's what I needed, the, 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 I needed the, um, the Lashon HaKodesh. He says a word of it is, V'ziyunehen lo yishtakhu. Ah, I think I know what it is. V'ziyunehen lo yishtakhu. And their ziv, and their rays, that they emanate. I'm not sure, but it makes sense. I didn't read the word as ziv. V'ziyunehen, and their rays, because the vessels broke, so the lights, lo yishtakhu, the, the, the lights went back to their source. Va'arez batlus and Malchus, who's the recipient, the earth, became battle because she has no lights coming into her. Okay. What does the Eberster do? He appoints this, what's called the Miskala, and this Miskala measures everything out. So don't get intimidated by what we just learned. He's going to explain it. At least this part is, is, is explained. So let's see inside. Isa bezoyar sifra detsniya said takel bemiskala. There is this thing called takel bemiskala. Vuhu inyan and this idea is I'm learning the second line on the on the mimer. Vuhu inyan kav hamida. This is a measuring. It's what we call the measurer. Kav means a line. Hamida that measures out. Shuhuam moideid that this measures v'shokel and it weighs kol ha'eser sviris. It weighs and it measures out all the ten attributes. The Atsilus of the world of Atsilus. The world we know there are four worlds. The first world is called the world of emanation. Some totality of so t- totality of all of existence is of these four worlds. Atsilus is the world of emanations, primarily just an expression of divine talent, of God's creative powers but it's not yet the creation it's Hashem Hashem's personality traits that Hashem chooses to emanate of himself that's the world of Atsilas it's a divine world then begins the first level of creation which is called the world of creation Olam Habria the world of creation which is primarily a world inhabited by souls and there's no cre- there's no physicality in that dimension yet it's only souls and also extremely high Angels that inhabit that world of Bria. Then there's the world of Yetzirah, the world of formation, which is already a little closer to our reality, but it's still a spiritual world. Mainly it's called the world of angels. And then finally there's Olam Asiyah, which is the world of completion. And that's our world where things are completed in a physical form. Okay? That's, that's the... So he says over here, the ten attributes that we mentioned earlier, we always speak about the ten attributes... Usually when we refer to them, we refer to them, unless otherwise specifically stated, it's usually referring to the ten attributes as they are in the first world, which is the world of Atsilas, okay, the world of emanation. Now, these attributes have a certain amount of godly investment in them. They don't contain the infinite, because then they wouldn't leave room for each other. If... Chachma would be boundless and infinite and ever, 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 ever expanding. Bina would never be able to, Bina would never be able to start operating. And let me give a simple example for that. If you have an epiphany, God should help us. We should be on, that's why I'm a little scared. I started thinking about Mashiach coming. 
Imagine if you have an epiphany that starts going, and it just doesn't stop. I know sometimes you think when you're coming to this year, <laughs> you don't have time to start processing it in the left side of your brain because it's like non-stop flow of information, especially if you're, if you're not used to so much information, and it's new information. So imagine if that happens. There's like an opening of like an, a powerful surge so you can never get to your bina. And that's not good. That can never, that will not lead to anything. Because the creed, there are people that way. You know, there are people that way who never finish a project. Because there's so much creativity going on and there's so much excitement and there's so much, and they can never move on to it to stop the chachma and let the bina take it and, and develop it so you can create something. Even pr- prior to that, before chachma, there is keser. What's keser? Ratzon, will. It says that if someone is experiencing powerful will and will and will and desire and will and will and will and will will so strong, you can't let your intellect start working because the will is so all-powerful and it's not allowing for the will. In order for the the mind to start working, the will has to quiet down. You have to be excited to learn something. Sometimes too much excitement to learn. I want, I really, I really want. It's like you're really, it's like when you're studying for a test. Giving a test tomorrow, and you have a few hours left, and your desire to know the information is so strong, it's not allowing you to start knowing it because your desire that I want to know it, I need 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 to know it, doesn't work. The will does not allow the chachma to happen. Now, the same is also as long as the chachma is, is operating, you can't have the bina. And then, in general, as long as the intellect is very strong, it doesn't allow for the emotions to kick in. Because while you're lost in your intellect, you're lost in a higher place. Emotions, you can't feel yourself in order to have an emotion. So for the emotions to happen, the intellect has to subside. So the emotions can come. And then finally, from the emotions, and we find also, I'll give you an example, when you're experiencing very, very intense love or very, very intense emotion about something, you can't talk. You can't communicate. If you're very, very angry, you can't communicate. Sometimes you love someone too much and you can't, you, can, you can't express it to them. Because it's just too much. So in order for... So you see, the system is that... Well, in order for the system to work, these powers have to have an end so they can work. That's the job of the measurer. At the very, very quintessential beginning of where this entire system begins to evolve, Hashem sets into power... Someone who sketches out the entire sketch of everything that's going to happen and limits every single flow of energy how much, it can, how much it should be and when it should stop. And that's what... Vishaykel, let's read inside. Kola eses All the ten attributes of Atzilus. Vishir with a measure, umida, and a limit, umida. How much will it be drawn? How much will kindness expand? And how much should the restraint, the power of gavura, which is the power of holding back, how much of that? And how they should be divided? In manners of channels. We know that the way the whole system is, operates, it's in a system and it looks like a human being. 
There is the right side, there is the left side, and there is the middle. If you have a look at the Sphero charts, Chesed Gevur, Chochma Chesed Netzach is on the right side. Bina Gevura Hod is on the left side. Das Teferes Yesod in the middle, and Malchus. So the very idea that these things, that, that everything organizes itself in a certain organized form, this is all the job of the sketcher, of the, of the measurer, that measures everything and sets it all in, in, a, in a way. As he says, it should all set Bekavin, Yamin to the right, Smoil and the left, Bedalid Ruchis, and also the four directions, because we know Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, and Malchus are the four, are the four directions. And then you also have Maila Mata, up and down. Or sometimes it's the six, sorry, Chesed, Gevur, Teferes, Netzachod, Yesod, are the six directions. Shehem, Vav, Ktsavis, Dezad, these are the four, the six Ktsavis, the six Sfirot, or the six ends of the Ze'er Anpin, which is the general configuration of the divine Sefirot, which each one is organized in its place. And therefore, Nikru has Lashen Midais. Interesting. Why are the attributes also referred to as God's Midot, Hashem's Midos? Like we say, Midas HaChesed. Why? Not, just, not so much because, not only, usually we think it's because they measure out life. No, but he's saying because they themselves are measured. Because they emanated through a measuring, because God is infinite, God is boundless. And if the energy of God would come unmeasured, let's say God wants to be kind, it would be endless, endless kindness, but nothing can come from it. This is just too much overwhelming kindness. So God says, okay, I need to have an opposite force. But that means that the kindness has to, has to end so that something else can, someone else can talk, someone else can say something. See what I'm saying? Someone else, another midah should be able to emerge. What? Yeah, there is, for example, in Atzilus, chesed is, it's Hashem's chesed. So the chesed is beligvul chesed. But even though it's the, the, the potential kindness is beligvul kindness, limitless kindness, it still allows for a next midah to come in afterwards. So I, I, was, I was wondering about that. Because on the one hand, you say the midas, the midas of, of Atzilus are still one with him. He is one with them. And if he's one with them, so they're infinite. But on the other hand, we say that the difference between Toyo and Tikkun is that in Tikkun, every sphera comes to an end, until here you come, and the next sphera can come. So how does that fit with the idea of it being infinite? I'm not exactly clear. That's a good question. Um, and that's why the spheres are called the midot. Al shem shenim because they themselves were measured. they were measured by the measurer. and this gvura. Now this mida, this measurer, this measurer. Who, this power, this measurer, Hibchenaz Gevura Vetzimtzum. This measurer is the, he himself, now to measure, what's the power of measuring? Measuring by its very definition is limiting, is limiting. 
So this power to measure things is a power of gevura, not a power of chesed. It's not a power of... It's not a power of kindness, it's a power of, of gevura. Omidazu and this measure, upchinaz gevura, is a power of gevura. V'tzimtzum and contraction. L'tzamtzim, to contract. Sheyiyaham shacha, that whatever is flowing should flow. B'shiyor umida with an amount and in a measure. Meaning to say, in the actual flow of things, in the actual flow, in the, in the actual flow of things, once there is ten sefirot, there is one attribute called chesed, and there's another attribute called gevura. Fine. And, and one second, and chesed is kindness, and gavura is restraint. So these are the two powers. One of kindness, and one is of restraining and holding back. So here already, gavura is a particular attribute. But we're talking over here, what we're speaking about is a far higher level of restraint that comes before the attribute of restraint. This is what measures all the attributes. In other words, even the attributes that are not about restraint. The attributes that are all about giving and openness and flow, they too have, if they are attributes relating to a finite creation, they too are already a measured flow. So even though they're about flowing, not about not, see, Gvura as, as an attribute on its own is to hold back, is not to give, is to say, I don't want to, whatever reason, you don't deserve, I'm not giving. Here we're talking about the, a much yeah, and the truth is this gevura that's the attribute of gevura really is rooted in its quintessential beginnings in this power of gevura but still this is a power that precedes all sefirot all attributes everything that emanates from the Ein Sof from the pure infinite must pass through this controller okay we might call it the appointment this is the controller who, who sets limits and sets the, the measure for everything that's happening. The kol zen nasa, that's what he says, and all of this happens, al yedei b'chinas kav hamida, through a kav hamida, this measuring stick, shuhu anikra b'zohar, this is what the Zohar refers to, as boitzina de kardrenusa, the powerful lamp. The Zohar refers to it as the powerful lamp. The reason why it's the powerful lamp, because it has absolute control over everything that's going on. It's, it's what any bit of light, any bit of revelation, any bit of energy flowing into any, from the very beginning, 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 pre, at the very, 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 very beginnings of like the highest, deepest worlds, until the final, 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 final thing down here in the physical creation. In other words, when God, for example, when rain comes, and God measures that rain not to turn into a flood, but to rain in a manner that it's, it's beneficial for the fields, for the things to grow, that is measured by the Baitsina de Kadrenusa from that same place. That basically has sweeping control over all, some totality of all of existence. From the most 
supernal sublime worlds that can receive a gush of boundless energy to the tiny, 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 infinitesimal, small, little subatomic particles. How much they receive in order for them to exist and to be great. This is this, is this power. And it says, Bizarre by Tsina de Kadrenusa, the Nakiv. As he explains, what does that mean? The Nakiv, I didn't look up the words by Tina de Kadrenusa, the Nakiv, so I, I can't tell you that exactly. But Shohu Inyan Givura, this is the idea. Now, now he's going to identify spherotically this level called the controller, the measurer, which, how, where do we identify? On what level of, we want to name it as a sphera, what is it? So we learned, and especially in the last few classes, we were learning there's 10 sephiros, 10 attributes. Above them, there is what's called the keser, the crown, which is not counted amongst the 10. But in the crown itself, we learned there's two levels of crown. There is the chitzonius, the external of the keser, the outside of the crown, which is called erech anpin, the long face. And then there's the innermost of the crown that's called atik yomin. It means the ancient of days. Atik Yom is the innermost of the, of the crown. And in the level of Atik Yomin, there are tens, there is the potential for the potential of, of the attributes. It's not really a source for the attributes. It's still so beyond any attributes. But it's a potential for a potential. And that's why it is called, or let's say in the, let's put it this way. It would be, it, it would be, in the human being, everything is, everything is, God created us in His image. So therefore, you can find all these things inside ourselves. So I'll give you just a quick example for that. We have ten powers in which we operate. Three intellectual powers and seven emotional powers. They're all controlled by will. We have, we have a sweeping enforcer who controls every single power. What controls your brain? To apply your mind to conceive or not to conceive. If you want to, then you say, no, no, I'm going to, I want to. If you don't want to, you can shut your mind down and say, no, I want to rest now. But I got to learn that. No, I want to rest now. Leave me alone. So you can shut your mind down. And then the same is with the emotions. You can open yourself up to want to get emotional, to get up to feeling. Obviously, emotions are not that, you know, usually emotions just happen upon us. But still, based on especially more, more, refined emotions are more controlled by the intellect which is controlled by the desire you desire the, the will controls the whole body it controls everything you pick up your hand you don't pick up your hand you get up you don't want to sit I want to move it's all controlled by will by desire okay so will is a power and the will is the source in a sense for all these powers being that the will could control them but then there's even a deeper level where all the powers of the soul are still contained within the soul itself in a place where you don't, you don't know. All you have is your, your you. You don't have any powers, but obviously the powers are there because, because the powers have to be inside of you for them to be able to emanate. Let me explain that. Just, just, I, don't, I don't want to get into this, but we spoke about this like three, a couple of weeks ago. The... the, the um, you're not your intellect. You have intellect. You're not your intellect. You're not your love. You have love. Okay? You have this power. You have your, you have your mind. 
But you're not your mind. You have your mind. You have an intellect. You have an intelligence. Now, obviously, the intelligence is an emanation from your soul. It's a power in your soul that was that is activated. Now, the soul itself can't be made up of a bunch of powers because then the soul would be divisible. The soul is one simple energy. It's hard. We don't know exactly what the soul is. It's one simple spiritual force. And that sp- simple spiritual source does not have, is not made up of a bunch of ideas or a bunch of feelings. Or even the power of intellect and the power of emotion. It's just a pure, simple, un- unidentifiable energy, the soul. Yet, it emanates intellect, because intellect obviously comes from the soul. It emanates emotions. It emanates speech. It emanates physical power. It emanates all, whatever is going on in your life, is all em- it emanates vision. It emanates the ability to hear. It emanates the ability to s- smell. It, it, it has all these powers. But you can't say the soul itself is made up of just a... The, the, the soul is not a bundle of a bunch of things put together, because then, obviously we understand that that's not it. Oh, so, at, so now we have to really try to figure out at which point do the powers begin? Do the powers begin in the soul? If they begin in the soul, then the soul again is made up of a triangle, a square, and a, and a, and a thing like a, a... I'm just using physical example, where you're taking something and you put together something of a bunch of pieces. Then the, then the, then, then, then the, then the soul is a composite. The soul is not a composite. You know what it means a composite? A composite is a few things help put it together. So obviously your soul is not. But where did the powers begin? They must begin in your soul. But how do they begin in your soul? Because if your soul has to be simple. So the answer is a very interesting answer. Your soul has all the powers, but while they exist in the soul, they are so abstract that you can't even tell that they're powers. They and the soul are one. So you have a power of vision in your soul. You have a power of understanding in your soul. You have a power of... But in the soul, the power of hearing and the power of vision are all almost the same because they're just lost in the simplicity of the soul. Then you have a level of... Oh, see, see? That's called... That's the level called Atik Yomin. When we speak about the innermost of the crown, follow, following me? When we speak about the innermost of the crown in God, what do we mean? Spherot attributes in such a sublime state that you can't even call them attributes. They're still part of the ain't self. But for whatever reason, there is some kind of a subtle, there is some kind of a subtle beginnings. There is some kind of a subtle beginning, beginning, beginning of an attribute. There's some kind of a potential. Right? There's some kind of a potential of a potential that's there. So on that level, we can say that in the Ain Sof there is Chesed and there is Gevura. And that's what we mean, Chesed Da'atik. And then we have what's called Gevura Da'atik. Chesed of Atik Yomin. And then we have Gevura of Atik Yomin. Gevura of Atik Yomin. Follow? So what's the Gevura of Atik Yom? It's the power of restraint. As, as it is still, Gevura the Atik is the power to hold back, to measure. What's that? what Gevura is. Gevura is always restraining. But it's the power of that 
while it's still one with what? With the pure, undefined energy of God. Ah, oh, does that make sense now? That Now, listen here. Does that make... Does this, does this make sense now? That this measuring power that measures everything that is going to be in the future is Gevura Da'atik? Perfect sense. Remember we're talking about this controller, this primordial controller that sits prior to everything and measures out how much, right? It measures out exactly how much what's going to happen. Where is this control taking place? Who, who is that? That's Gevura the Atik Yoimen. Because that's the power while it's still in its... See, it has to exist already there because this is in charge of all measure. If you let light emanate past this, you let an attribute, you let something happen, it will be out of control. So this has to be the pre-pre-very beginning, as soon as emanating attributes are beginning to evolve from the Ein Sof, it all has to start with the Gevura, the Atik, which sets the rules of everything that is going to happen. That's this Miskala that he mentions earlier. Okay? And that's called the powerful lamp. Because it's called the Baitsina de Kadrenusa. It's called Gevura da Atik. It's also called, sometimes it's called the powerful lamp, or sometimes it's called the dark lamp. Kadrenusa can either be dark or powerful. So darkness, you might say, it's because it's holding back. It's, it's the power to hold back on the light. It's also called maybe the, the powerful lamp because it's Gevura. That's why it's powerful. Because it has... Nothing is out of its... It's the decider of, over everything. Okay? What, what he's going to reveal in this mimer is that this Baitsina de Kadrenusa, which is the power of, 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 of controlling all, all the way down to the last and final energy that's in the tiniest little thing in your life or around you. It's all, re, re, all coming from this Baitsina. It all, it's all controlled by this power of Gevura Da'atik. In the Mimer, he's going to explain how Gevura Da'atik is not in any way different than Atzimus himself, than God himself. So really, who's in control over every single nickel that ends up in your pocket? Who's in control over every breath of ear that your oxygen or whatever it is should not overwhelm your lungs and cause it to collapse? Chas v'shalom. Who's, who's in control over the blood pressure that's in your blood, that's measuring? It shouldn't go too high or it shouldn't go too low. Do you realize how many systems... This is crazy, I didn't realize it till now. Do you realize how many systems work in your body? in which things have to be exactly the measure of how many blood cells and how many white cells. And all, that's all part of what's measured out so that a human being can live healthy. And be, that's the, it's all emanating from this Baitsina de Kadrenusa. And he's going to explain that's the whole... You shouldn't think that since this is a power of constricting and limitation, it's something other than God Almighty Himself. No, 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 no. This is the Abishter Himself. And therefore, he says... I'm, I'm telling you the last line of the mimer. Therefore, he says, Your heart will suddenly dread, realizing that it's not like there's space between the essence of God and the time the energy gets down to me. It's the quintessential essence of God Himself who ultimately is this power 
of Baitsina de Kadrinusa, who is involved in the in the most detailed element of every hashpa and every aspect of my life. There exactly. So can I ever really be worried about my parnasa? Can I really ever doubt? Can I ever feel if 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 Baruch Hashem, my blood pressure is kind of good. Baruch Hashem, there's the amount of cells that are working exactly. So who's control? Who's at the controls? That's the question. Who's at the control? When you realize that Aye, we're going to soon see, this power is called, no, it's called Sofer. This power is the one that counts. Shokel, it's called the measurer. And who is it? It's no one other than Aye himself. Who's the Aye? Aye is the Yud, the He, and the Aleph, which is God himself. That's the Chiddush, that's where the Mimer is going. That the Sofer and the Shokel, the one controlling all the way down to the tiniest little minutia of existence is the Aye himself. Let's read it inside. Yeah. Yeah, I know that, but... Yeah, 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 I know that. But that's the beauty. You're right. The beauty of it, however, is that, that, that basically this whole mimer is saying God controls your life. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 it wants you to go, oh, wow. And that you can only, as you discuss all this, you can go, oh, wow, just in the simplicity of it. And then there is the, 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 the rich man's appreciation of how rich this is. Let's read it. This is the idea of Gvura the Atik it's the power of Gevura of Atik Yoimen. Hamislabeshes, that encloses itself, in the concealed Moach. Moach stima, by the way, just that you know, so you remember this, is the level of Chachma, it's Chachma of Erech Anpin. So again, we have Atik Yoimen, is the innermost of the crown. The next part, so it's called Erech Anpin, which is the Chitzoni, is the external of Keser. In where already you have the source of the Sphirot, you, here is where the attributes are really beginning. It's, not, it's the, the desire that there should be attributes already. It's already a shoresh. It's already a, a source for attributes. But here's the thing. In the first desire for the first attribute, which is the moyach of Erech Anpin, that very desire that it should be has to be a controlled desire. Because if the, if the gvura of Atik Yomin didn't control it, how do you know this desire that there should be chachma might just be infinite, endless desire? That's no good. You know what the example he gives to it a little bit, just to understand this a little better? When you decide you want a house, or you decide you want something, from the very, very quintessential beginning when you decide you want a house, even before you started speaking to this, that, that, you have already a measured idea. It's in your subconscious. It, 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 and it's related to your very essence. And the words you use in the mind, it's possible that you once saw a house and it registered somewhere inside of you, and then maybe 30 years later, you decide you want a house. Because if not... You start building the house, and you don't know. You'll make a bedroom. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be. You know, a half a mile long. You have the money. You have the ability. But but how do you know when to stop? How do you know where the next room belongs, or how many bathrooms you're gonna have? Maybe make thirty nine bathrooms in the house. And then you know why? Because because initially the desire already comes. 
That's the gvura, the atik yomen in the person. You don't even know why, but, but so it is. It's measured. It emanates in a measured thing. Then later, it already translates into lower level. It's the hey gvuris of bina, which is already understanding. You're already in a, in a, in a, in a, calculating why so big and why this. But it's based on a more fundamental super rational decision that you've already made of how the house needs to look, basically. And what, and what, what are the boundaries of it? The boundaries come along with it. So you have something, a desire, but it's, and that's the idea, as he says. Um, and on this the Pasuk says, What does that mean? Pidish, the meaning. To have a salkadaita, we would have thought. Since this measuring power and this mishka, is a power of gvura and contraction. Compared to the essence of the Ein Sof, this is a power of, of, of gvura, which, is total, which we would think is totally the opposite of atzmos. Atzmos means he has no measure. He has no definitions. He has no de- and this is the power, think about it. This power is what creates a gazillion different things. This power says it should be this and it should be that. What's the thing we're saying about God Himself? He's not this and He's not that and He doesn't have any definitions whatsoever. So therefore, and here you have a measuring power that sees so much the importance or the need or the want rather that there should be so many different, different colors, different things, different, all, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the variations that there are. So you would think this cannot be the same being who is... Who is Pashat Petachlos Apshitus, who's simple with utter simplicity and has no form and no definition and no constriction and no limitation and no boundaries and is infinitely big, so to speak. And therefore, how can this can. So he says, no, 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 no. This power that measures everything, sets boundaries for everything, limits everything, and creates so many different whatever, this power is the very same power. Uh, we would think it's measured in compared to the essence of the Ein Sof. Hamufshat, who the essence of the Ein Sof is removed, migeder gvul, from the, from the whole context of limitation, umida, and measurement, umigeder is chalkos, and from the concept of division, kavin, of various different channels, uspheros, and attributes. In, in the Ein Sof, there are no spheros, there are no attributes, there are no lines, right, left. It all doesn't exist. So you would think that what? It's a much lower power. It's not him himself. Uh, but this, I think, what he's saying over here is, no, nah, this is the idea of koach ha-gvul sof. So you say, in, the, in, the, in terminology of the Rebbe Rashab, this would be what we say, the orein sof, that the Ebishter, because he's perfect, just like he has a power to be infinite, he also has the power of self-limit, self-limitation. But on this level, initially, this power to limit is still one with the infinite. In other words, you don't see it as a, it's not a limiting power. It's an infinite, it's, it, because he's infinite, he cannot not have the power to limit. But still, it's the source for limitation. This level encompasses everything, which means it's indiscriminate. The, 
At, this is also part of the question. He's not yet getting to the end. You would think that Atzmus, that the Abishter himself, is removed from all spheres. And when we say removed from it, not just that he doesn't have spheres, but that every attribute or every level is absolutely equal before him. He's surrounding the most sublime levels with the most, with the most uh, physical things, equally. That means that, that God himself, the highest and the lowest, stand in absolute equality. Because they're all nothing to him. And therefore, that which means he's absolutely... When we say absolutely, I mean absolutely. Absolutely, meaning no connection at all to any kind of definition whatsoever. And here we're talking about a very, very specific defining power that defines everything. So how can this be the same? So, Allah, Soyvev Akoyli surrounds everything. Beskira Achas. When he surrounds everything, it's in one scan. The kamei and aforim darkness and light are equal. Shavin kenoida, the physical world and atzilus, or even beyond atzilus, is all equal in front of him. So he's imkain have a So we would have thought the pchina the kavamida that this power of a measuring power, humahus nifrad, it's a separate entity that's separated from him. It's something that God kind of somehow chopped off from himself, that there should be this power that measures some kind of a force. But it's not him, because he is the total opposite of that. We would think that, Al-Kain Omar, that's why he tells you, Aye Soifer, Aye Shoikel. That's why he tells you, no, the Sofer, who's the Sofer, who's the scribe? Yeah, but who's the scribe, the level that we called scribe? That's that gvura of Atik Yomin, Baitsina de Kadrenusa, the dark lamp that we spoke about earlier. That's the power that measures out everything. That's the scribe who exactly, what's the scribe? The scribe is the one who does the blueprint of all of creation. We're saying that that scribe, who is it really? It's Aye. Who's Aye? Aye is, who is he? It's, it's, it's the one that's the total opposite. Meaning, even though he measures, what, what's, what's the word Aye? Aye means who is he? Where is he? So what does that mean? Even though he measures, he himself is not measurable. That's what I'm saying? He's, he's the source of all measures, but he, he's not measurable. What do I mean he's not measurable? He's not definable. He, no, he's infinite and he's even beyond infinite because he can, he can measure. So he's not, he can't be defined as infinite or as finite because he's doing both at the same time. Um, the great big circle of the Orin Sof that remained outside of the whole. It says when Kabbalah says when God began creating the world, He made a little. He made a black hole. Pulled his light in. in he pulled his light to the side, and then he emanated a little thread. So he's saying the power of that little thread. What is it really? It's really the Orin Sof that's outside. Before him, light and darkness is equal. He himself, who has soifer, vahashoikel. Basically, I mean, you can, you can learn this all Kabbalistically, but what's its translation in literal life? It means atzmos, mohos, the orin sof, shakoidem atzimtzum. That's before this. See, see, see. 
Tzimtzum came and created like this great distance that, okay, I have to deal with all these attributes and with this, uh, whatever. Okay, so it's get lechazachim. But I'm not messing with God himself. Like this, but, but that God himself is kind of outside of the whole system. So it's like, <laughs> he's, he's like the Goyim say, Ramalka Goyim Hashem. Hashem is exalted. He's, he's away. He's, a, he's above. He's above it all. And we're saying that no. But the Orin Saif Mamish, he's the Shaiko. It's, it's not two beings. Havayan Elokim Kulachad, another expression. That the power that's Mitzamtzim and comes down to the details is the same Kulachad, totally one with him. And therefore, yes, in every moment of your life and in every aspect of your being, it's the essence, it's, it's, it, you're dealing with the sum totality of every. Whatever. Um, it's not an entity on its own. Because from you is everything. There you go. You said it straight. You said, ultimately, how can it be different? Yeah. <laughs> um, you're right. That's what so that's why the simplicity of it. He's saying the most simplest thing over here. He's not but he's not simple. That's <laughs> he's saying in the most sophisticated way, the most simplest truth. But but when you're when you're understanding it in the it, it, in all of this, it, it it enriches it, and you understand it. It's a whole different level. Who call Yachal? And he, I, if hold it, but hold it, hold it. If he, if he's, if he's so high. And therefore, what? So removed and so undefined. So how can he be busy with my blood, white blood cells and red blood cells? How can he be busy with my blood pressure? How can he be busy with... with, with these, the... That's what we say. The nations say, therefore the nations say, Hashem is beyond the tzimtzum. Hashem got stuck on the other side of the tzimtzum. What's taking care in the planet? Forces. But we say, God, who's like our God, we know that he is so high, but because he is so high, he has no limitations. And guess what? He's also not limited in being big. Because he's not limited, he can be infinitesimally small. And at this very same time, be infinitesimal, be infinitely big. At the same time. Why? Because he, he has no limitations. So, He can descend, so sometimes you're davening and you're wondering, am I really going to bother God with something so petty? I ever think about that? You ever wonder, am I really going to make God my sugar that I need like this like petty little thing in my life? I need, I can, I'm looking for a new, uh, uh, you know, hairbrush and I couldn't find one or whatever. I'm going to daven Tashem for that. It's like God has bigger things to worry about. Instead, the big thing, you know, I have to find the shidduch. I'm going to ask to the Abishnah because that's a big thing. And we learned last week that only God does that. You know, He splits the sea. That's what He's busy with. But but little little things like that, you know, you're not going to not going to make the Abishnah crazy about that. And the answer is is the same one. He's taking care of the big things, taking care of the small things. It's the absolute. And He Himself will give it to you. No one else. And the Alter Rebbe concludes the Maimer and he says, when you know that, you don't fear. You can never fear, maybe you're lacking, and you're going to lack your bread. How can you fear that you're going to be lacking your bread? 
People are always worried. Maybe I'll be lacking my bread, meaning my basic needs. I mean, as long as we're in this planet, we're okay. If it would be somewhere outside of God's universe, then you're not with the worry. But as long as you're within God's plan, you're taken care of. It helps when we know this. Um, and that's what God wants. He wants that relationship. He wants you to recognize Him in the, in the tiny little silly things of your life. That's dira betachtaynam. That's exactly it. That, that when you know, when you know that, 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 that every little thing you need, the one you constantly talk to is, please Hashem, give me this, I need this right now. Can you? And you're comfortable and you're calm and you don't have anxiety. The biggest dira betachtaynam is to get rid of all anxiety. All the time. Because you know that no, it's scary, it looks, it's big, it's this thing looks it's crushing, it's like, I'm overwhelmed. Calm down. You're in good hands. Because the one who emanated all of the cosmos is equally interested right now in your Mishagas, right now, at this very moment. Not any more attention over there, equally. Because to him, there's no difference. That's it. And so, so what do you have? You have all of God in your, in your tiny little, little crevice of your life. Because that's what you're recognizing. You're recognizing the being who's infinite. Why? How, how could he come down into your, into your tiny life? Because he's so infinite. And because he's so undefined. Oh, that means that what are you, what are you experiencing right now? You're experiencing all of his being in this little thing. You have what... This is what we... You have Dira, God himself, to Atzimus, in the lowest elements of life. Again, and he's so able, to lower himself, to measure the spheroids, with contraction, and division. This Mida, and this Tzimtzum is Dafka drawn, from the encompassing power, Ha'igel Hagadol, the great encompasser, Shanikra Aye. Then on him we say Aye because Aye means who is he? And as we said earlier, Yud K. Now, by the way, on a higher level, what is the Yud K and the Aleph? Before we spoke that Yud K is, is Bina and Chachma, and the Aleph is Keser. But now, if we're saying that this is this. Soifer, and that we're saying it's higher than Gevura the Atik, because we're trying to say that the Gevura of Atik is really who? He's really Aye, it's even higher than that. So really what is it? And the answer is that in Atik Yomen, there is Chesed and there is Gevura. Chesed is the impetus. Chesed of Atik Yomen is the impetus to give. To, 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 to create, to emanate, Gvura of Atik Yoyman is the, is the Indian of Maila Maila Adein Sof, that Hashem is, Hashem is higher, higher, that, that, he, that, that He's beyond every, any revelation. He's so private. Chesed is the ability to, he, he, because God is God, He can reveal Himself to everybody and to everything. Gvura of Atik Yoyman says, He's so private, no one can know Him. No one can know Him. The Ein Sof is unknowable. And the, the um, so that's the Yud and the He. That's the Yud and the He. The Yud is the, is the Gevura in this sense. The He is the expansion element of Atikyom. 
And what's the Aleph? The Aleph is the Teferes of Atik Yomen, which is really the Orient Sof in Atik, which is higher than both. Which is that that measuring that has both in it. Because what does measuring say? Give, but measured. So it's taking the Chesed and the Gevura and merging it together. And that's Atmos himself. And that's what we say in Davening, okay, la Godol, that's the Hey, Hagibor is the Yud, Vehanoira, that's the Vav of Vehanoira, which is a combination of the Yud, and the a Vav is a combination of a Yud and a Hey, because it has a longer, at least it has the foot of the Hey. So that's the Vehanoira, the Vav, that is Ul and Nora, that's awesome. Something like this comes out from the other Maimar. Okay. Um, because he is so high, that's why he's able to lower himself down so much. To measure all the elements that are in the worlds. Like it says, that God is exalted, but because He's exalted, v'shafal yireh, He looks at what's very low. And similar to this idea, that only the highest of the high can come down and the lowest of the low. It says that God says, I will cross over the land of Egypt. So the sage, we, sages learn now, we say it in the Agadah, it says, I will go across Egypt to smite the Egyptians. And the, and the sages say, I am not, am not an angel. I am not a, serp, a, 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 a messenger. So it means God himself. Why? So it says, because Egypt is so dark and so low and so, so, so polluted, so contaminated, that if, any, if an angel would go down there, he would become corrupted. Even if any of these divine emanations would go down, they too would be harmed by it. That's how powerful the darkness of Egypt was. Only God Himself can go down to the lowest of the low. And there's the same idea that it takes. Here we're talking about measuring out things. Here we're talking about to go down to Mitzrayim. And this is similar because you're going down into constriction. Um, not one malach was able to go down. Aside for God Himself, now behold, now the Torah. He continues and he says the Torah is also part of this tzimtzum, the kavamida. We're saying that there is, now, meaning the kavamida, this measuring, affects li- limitation, and every, everything is limited. The whole system is limited. It's an interesting thing. The Torah is also part of what was measured already. And not only are neshamas measured, physical, physical things are made, angels are measured, neshamas are measured, spheros are measure, measured, everything is measured. Everything has a measure. Well, part of what was measured is the Torah. That's why there is so many letters in the Torah. It's exactly how many, so fair you count how many, how, many, how many words there are. If you make one tiny little extra love, your whole Sefer Torah is puzzle. If you add one little crown, okay, I don't know if a crown puzzles, but it's a little, 
It tells you that four crowns on this Zion, three crowns on this, two, everything. Why? Because the energies, that this is all the cosmic flow, but it needs to be measured. The Torah is already measured. But the measurer himself is not measured. And that's where the, Torah, that's where the scribes are connecting to. The scribes are connecting to the measurer, not to the measured. That's why the Torah Shabal Peh is higher. Aye Soifer. The Soifer is higher than the Sefer. The Sefer is measured. You have so many pieces of parchment. You have so many words. That's it. So that's it. Gam HaToyeru Bechlau B'chinesat Tzimtzum. Dekav Amidah from that which was measured already. Where do you see that? Because even though we say the Torah is higher than the world, but the sages say how much higher it is. 2,000 levels. Sages say the Torah precedes the world 2,000 years. Which doesn't mean years because there's no time before the world. It means 2,000 levels. The creation comes from the seven emotions of God. That's why there are seven days. The Torah comes from what's higher than the world. Olam is called, the middles are called Olam. So what is higher than the world? Chachma and Bina. A thousand years Chachma, a thousand years Bina. I will teach you Chachma, I will teach you Bina. Thousand, a thousand. Fine. So the Torah comes from Chachma and Bina. Chachma and Bina is the Yud and the He. Or really, as he explains in the other Mimer, it's really the Vav and the He. The Vav and the Torah is really, it's interesting. In the other Mimer, he says that most of Torah Shabbat most of the written Torah, is not about loisa says it's all since Torah Shabiksav, it's amazing it connects to what we learned right at the beginning of the Mimer tonight. Since Torah Shabiksav is mainly is mainly the light comes in. Mamish, Biksav, it's in the Ksav, such a Gishmakarachavart. The Torah is bit, it's inside the containers, inside the Ksav. That's why the Ksav is holy. Because the Torah is inside the Ksav. Fine. Therefore, the Torah is mainly about the mitzvah saseh. Even though mitzvahs loisaseh, uh, um, why? Because mitzvahs loisaseh are, as we said before, transcendental lights that you can't put in the keli. So Torah Shabiksav is mainly the mitzvahs. I, he doesn't explain it, he just says it's mainly, even though it also records the loisasehs, the, the prohibitive commandments, because Torah Shabiksav is oiris pekelim. And it comes from the Vavke. That's really what Torah Shabbat is. It's the Vavke. Torah I'm sorry. Mitzvahs loisase, which are higher than the Torah Shabbat But yet they're put into Torah Shabbat But they're really higher than Torah Shabbat They're connected to the Yudke. And the Divri Soifrim, the rabbinic things, they're connected not just to the Yudke, but to the Aleph that's related to the Yudke. The Aye itself. Why? Because they're not what's measured, they are the measurer itself. Which means that the rabbis, the chachamim, are one with atzmas, with the essence of God himself. You should probably take them seriously when they say, don't do that because you might do this. Because they're one with him. Their souls emanate from this very... The fact that they're the lawgivers, and they're so... so, They say mukta, this, that, that because they're emanating from that level that measures everything, which that measuring power that measures everything is the power of restraint that is one of, the, of God Himself. And they're plugged into that level. So their restrictions that they give us, very, very important. Um, 
But the Ein Sof himself, including the measurer, Ram Venisa Levadoi, he is exalted above Mufshit Migeder Tzimtzum. He is not measured. He's measuring, but he's not measured. Vizchalkus, and he doesn't have any division. Ein Loitchila, he doesn't have a beginning. Vitichla, he doesn't have an end. Lekach, therefore, Hatoyre Shaloi Kadmala Oilam Rakal Payim Shana. The Torah that doesn't come, that isn't before. The Torah. The Torah that doesn't precede the world more than 2,000 years. Torah precedes the world, but only 2,000 years. Not more than 2,000 years. Torah has a tzimtzum. Because it's 2,000 years. The Kav Amida. As it is known. Like you see. And when he wants to prove that the Torah has a measure, he says that the mitzvahs are also measured. Shakala mitzvah sem shiur, every mitzvah has a limit. Vitzimtsum, sukkah, a sukkah, rakat chaf ama, till twenty cubits. Tfilin mirubais, tfilin have to be four corners, dafka. Ukihai gavna bachala mitzvah and the like in all the mitzvahs. So the Torah is measured. Eloshebemes, in truth. Aye atzma yu asoifer vahashoikel. That even though the Torah, see, he's not so clear over here, but that's what it seems like from the other mimer, that that's Torah Shabiksav. Torah Shabbat, the written Torah, is rooted in the IA itself, which is the Sofer. And the Sofer is IA, which means even though he's emanating measure, he himself is not measured. Um, okay, and that's the idea. El Shabbat, Aye Atzma, you are Sofer, now, it says over here three times ayeh. Remember the verse that I mentioned you earlier. Let me read the verse again. Your heart will, will speak fear. Ayeh sofer, where is the scribe? Ayeh shokel, where is the scaler? Ayeh sofer esamigdalim, where is the one who counts the towers? So it mentions three times Aye. What is the three times Aye? Because, what did we say earlier? The, 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 the Soifer, the Shoikel, even though it's the power of God to limit and to define, it's, 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 it's completely transcendental. How much is it? It's the Aye, Hey, Yud, and even the Aleph, which is the Aleph. It seems like the Aleph is Atzmos himself, or Orient Sofshalifne Atzimtzum. The Eagle Agadal, that's the Aleph. And we're saying that that power transcends, that's the Aye. Oh, so if it's three, it's three times Aye, because each level of Aye is Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh. Just like you say, because, as we said earlier, because, because the, 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 what can go into vessels and in containers is only what comes after the Aleph and the Yud and the He. The Vav and the He go into vessels. Not the Yud. Not, not the hey, not even the yud, and not even the aleph. Three times kadosh, so it mentions three times aye. Aye means who is he? Same idea like kadosh. I don't know who he is. Now, what does it mean that when we say something is kadosh, it means it's removed from you. But yet, if they're saying kadosh, meaning they're, they're sensing it, they're connecting to it, but it's removed. So the idea is because 
that place that is removed from you, which in this case is the Gevura, the Atik, uh, whatever, the, the, the Soifer, the Shoikil, that on three levels. It seems like, again, he doesn't explain why. It's like, what's its connection to the hay? What's its connection to the Yud? And what's connection to the Aleph? Truth is, I did explain it earlier. It's the Gevura, the Atik, Chesed, the Atik, and the, fine. But whatever it is, so how is it emanating down here if it's, if it's so removed, if it's so believable? So this is the idea that we say that any hamshacha from that place has to come only through here. Through tiny little hair follicles. Like, and that's why the word kadosh is gematria 410. Kadosh is gematria 410. Shin and kuf is 400. Tuf and yud, I'm sorry, um, vav and dalit is 10. So 410. The only thing I can recall what's 410 is the first base Amigdash stood. Because maybe it captured the Kadosh. 410 years, fine. So Kadosh, but it's, so you say three times, oh, so what is it? So it explains in Kabbalah that there is 410 here emanating from Erech Ampin. Want an explanation to that? I don't know. Shekadosh Gimel Tav Yochein Tav Yud Nimin Da'arech. 410 here of Arich, which Arich is removed. Where is he? And they say, Kaddish, 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 to draw down from the 410 here. Why is it three times? Because each of these levels, the Yud and the He and the Aleph, are all, all three of them are Kaddish. He is removed the lace machshava tvisabe. There's no thought that can grasp him. What does it mean? Who is the one who counts the towers? He explained Soifer and Shoikel. He explained because it basically is the measurer, the scribe, same Indian. But what is this the counting? The, it's explained elsewhere on, on the Pasuk Vishadai Kim Megdalis. Okay. And now he brings it back to what we said earlier. Again, so the idea of how Torah, how the Chachamim are connected to that level, he doesn't explain in this Maimer. But if you learn the other Maimer, Zesh Oilam, you see that that's why it's doing here in this parsha. It's because the Soifer, the Torah Shabal Peh, he didn't mention one word about Torah Shabal Peh. He just said Torah is also measured, but the measurer is higher. But in that Maimer, so he must be, he's referring to the other Maimer, where over there, and it's interesting, in this Sefer, on the Vim, on the Pasuk Yeshaya, these two Maimarim are one Maimar. It's really set, it's set, it's converged together as one Maimar. So you see, it's the same Indian. That's why I'm taking that that's probably what he means over here when he says, Torah Shabbat is measured. Torah Shabbat however, which is the, the oral law, which is what the scribes are all about, they're connecting to the level of Sulfur, which is Aye, which is, doesn't have any measure, but yet it's measuring. Now we'll understand the idea of your heart. What's the dread? When the wise man will contemplate this idea, that the measurer who measures out everything, that God Himself, who are soifer, 
You shouldn't think that what's responsible in your life is the end-end energy that has gone down like a gazillion level. Some, God, some godly influence trickles down. Okay, how, how much do I have to dread and fear this little godly energy that's peony that made it down to me? No, no, no. You should realize that that's the full, complete, entire God himself who's right down in this, in this small... In this small. It's not that there is some distant, because when you learn all the kalim and all the spheres and all you can create, and that's what Avodah Zara is, and a lot of times dafka from the learning of Hasidus and learning, getting familiar with those Kabbalistic ideas, you can push God very, very far away, because you've got this, all these midi levels of light and enemy and Alakim and Adam Kadman and a person can learn all these things and forget there's an Ebrister. Simply there's a God. So the Alter Rebbe takes you full circle back to a simple Yid who knows who says, and the Ebishter does not know the Chachmas. Because he says that you should know that the Shokel and the Sofer is really the Aye. Okay. So you can ask the question, so why did I have to learn the whole Maimon? I could have just opened up uh, Rab Shalom Arush's book, uh, whatever, The Garden of Amuna, and he tells me the Ebishter is involved with everything. Okay. That's the, that's the Chabad approach. He takes you through the entire. And then he shows you, ah, that's it, that's it. Hold on. So when you realize that, because the dread that it comes upon you, when you appreciate it, is a whole different level. The point over here is you take it in the panemius. That's the idea. You understand the panemius, and you understand the richness of it. Or else you just know, yeah. Um, he's the one who measures the hispashtus, and he's the one who measures the expansion. Behold, Prote proteos hanem tzoyim. In all the details of the details of all creatures. Of all, that means, and you have to realize that means you and every moment of your life. And every little nourishkeit of your life. Measured up by the Ebishter. When someone contemplates that, as a tipple olav eima upachad. A dread, a fear and a dread will fall upon him. He will have a endless fear. When, when, when it will really dawn upon you this. And you will not experience any external fears ever. And what kind of fear you would have an external fear? I'm going to be lacking. I'm going to be lacking in my parnas. I won't be able to f- pay my bill. I won't be able to do this. I'm low in the bank. I'm this and that. If the one who emanates all of existence and all of creation and perfect, you know what it takes for life on earth to be, to work? Speak to a scientist, right? What does it take? What exactly are the chances for, a, for the planet to be exactly in space at exactly this, to have the exact right temperature? And if it would be a Tiny bit off in, a, in, a, in an end, it, it wouldn't work. So someone measured this out to be exactly where he needs it. Besides the ones that are worrying for like global warming, that they have to take care of it because, because God kind of, okay, I'm not saying that we don't have to we disregard, but I just understand, understand that there's, there's a big Abishter here who's doing all of this, all the entire thing. And he's in charge over, as we may go back, over, the, over, over every little cell in your body. And he's the one who measures your temperature every day. Exactly. You should be 99 pointing. 
Sometimes he, he notches it up a little bit for whatever reason, but he keeps your temperature. He himself, no agents, he himself, the one who organized the car, and he measures your pocketbook. So how can, so Emura, he doesn't say you shouldn't fear. You should fear him. And when you fear him, you can't be fearing any external, he says it calls any external things. Penyach salach, my baby, my bread will be missing. Okay, hi, God. Because this fear cancels every other fear. And it says, Soif davar hakel nishma. And what's the bottom line? What's it all about? After everything is heard, after all the Hasidists is said, after everything is learned, what's it all about? You should fear God. And when you really, really get what he says over here, then you have Yerashamayim, true Yerashamayim. Enough, and which, which that fear cancels all the other fears. And once that, and that, that's good, then we, then, 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 then we live in a, in a healthy state, in a healthy mind, in a healthy place. Okay. That's that line. It's all to create this whole, this whole... And why the need for a whole system? Just him and us. Because all these levels need to be as well. <laughs> because so we can have a relationship and we can understand and appreciate him. Or else we wouldn't, if it would just be him and us, then we wouldn't have any vehicle to get to know him because there would be an infinite gap. Like this, we can get to know, our minds can know something higher. Right now, it's just Ayah Soifer, Ayah Soifer.